Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in. It is yet another edition, the fourth edition of Coaching Chatter. Uh, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, also brought to you by Soar Athletic Training, uh, the the greatest thing in youth football since, well, I don't even know what, but it's great. So uh, get on get on board with it. Um, absolutely. And these are my two co-hosts, Kurt Page and Craig Ladd. We bring you the uh, the greatest show about the greatest topic, the SEC footprint. We talk all things coaching uh, in case you're just now joining us. So uh, got a great show lined up, lots of coaching matters to deal with here, uh, not only in our SEC footprint, um, but we're, uh, I feel like, I feel like uh, John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, the Harbaugh brothers are giving us weekly content. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, Vandy showing a little bit of fight. Uh, we're going to talk dogs and dogs. Uh, a couple couple quarterback things happening in that game. Mike Leach having probably the best game of his tenure at Mississippi State. Best complete game. I mean, obviously 600 yards against LSU was, was a pretty good one. But uh, we'll talk more about that. Also got uh, the Gus bus. Is it uh, is it going to remain parked in Auburn or is it up, up the road? Uh, and it doesn't matter. So we'll talk more about that. So uh, let's get into it, though, guys. Um, Jeremy Pruitt, Craig. Um, I know you're done with him, right? Uh, you know, at, at what point, guys, do you kind of step back and say, okay, we've been outscored 108 to 14 in the second half during this five game losing streak? Yikes. It's time to look and try to find out what are we doing wrong at the half. And apparently, they still don't know what they're doing wrong at the half. Their, their adjustments are abysmal, uh, as witnessed by that. what I just gave you, the point differential there. Uh, you know, five-game losing streak, first time in school history that they have had a five-game losing streak and all were losses in double digits. Um, uh, there's, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's some rumbling, um, but I, you know, to be quite honest, I, I would be surprised if they made a move this quick. I mean, you got to look at it this way from 1990, uh, 1977 to 2008, 31 year span, Tennessee had two coaches, Johnny majors and Philip former from 2009 to 2020. They have now now have four coaches. So you've got to have some stability somewhere. You can't keep getting rid of coaches. I'm not saying Jeremy Pruitt is the answer, but you know you're still paying Butch Jones, and you'll be paying him until February of next year. I, I just don't see them barring a complete collapse, uh, which they're on their way to doing. I just don't think they'll they'll get rid of him.
I, I think they're just opening bowls up to whoever can play at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they just allowed teams to schedule their own bowl games and just say, screw it and just let them do an exhibition. I mean, I would love if Georgia played Georgia Tech in a bowl game. Um, even just, just to get that game out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we we can and we can discuss the the our, our proposed playoff structure and stuff like that. I mean, I, I I like the way the I like the way FCS does it. Um you know, they have 24 they have 24 teams, top 8 get buys. Um and and they just they just roll it like that and and you know, I I don't think the regular season loses any bit of luster. So, uh I I like that idea, but that's it. that's another topic for another show, but going back on Pruitt I, you know, it just to me, it just seems like he's overwhelmed. You know, you look at him and he just just seems like everything is just, I don't know, it just seems like he can't handle it. it just seems like he, he cracks under pressure. Just, I don't know, it just, something doesn't seem right about him. It just doesn't seem like he has total control of that ship. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it was as, I don't think it's as bad as it was under Butch Jones. Um, and the recruiting is certainly picked up, which, you know, if he leaves, whenever he leaves, whether it's this year, next year, or, or never, if he decides to get his, you know, what together, um, I, I think that the cupboard's definitely not going to be bare for whoever takes over. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, that there, there's, there's some culture problems I think that exist within that program. I, I think that, you know, guys are starting to not believe in Jim Cheney, which, I mean, I could have told you that his sac- second half adjustments were non-existent, and. Uh, you know, you know what you're getting. You know what bothers me is that you know what you're getting in Guarantano. You know you're getting a quarterback that looks decent in the first half, that's going to give you a chance to win in the first half, and then completely fall apart after halftime. You know what you're getting. You know, why not look at other options like Harrison Bailey? You know, obviously he's he's the best of 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 the others by far, and so you know I, I think from here on out you give him a shot and, and let's say. All right, Garantano, we appreciate your service, but your services are no longer needed. Yeah. I think eventually Norvell will will do well there. Um I, I think he's I think he's got enough pedigree and enough juice from his time at Memphis to for recruits to trickle in there. I mean, it's going to be a rough year or two, but I think he'll he'll, he'll stabilize it and get it going. They they just got to be patient now. They have no choice. Guys, I was going to say, how quickly things change. Going into the Georgia game, Tennessee had the longest winning streak of any Power 5 team, eight-game eight game win streak. They won their last six in 2019, won their first two in 2020. They beat a great Indiana team in the bowl game, mind you. 
And then now look what it is. And now look what we're talking about. Exactly. It's amazing how, thing, how things can change so quickly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And um, there's no better point than that. You know, I, I think it's, you know, since since the second half of the Georgia game, it's been rapidly going downhill. Uh, but we'll see what they do, see if Pruitt can get it turned around at least or just get some positive momentum with the freshmen and, and just let them – just let him go, man. Just just let him rip and roar, make some changes as a coordinator, and see what happens. If if it completely falls apart, then fine, great, get rid of him. But you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do. I, I we can't guarantee that Hugh Freeze is even going to be allowed by Greg Sankey to be coaching in the SEC. I mean, we can't guarantee that. Um, and who's not who's to say that Hugh Freeze isn't just going to say, you know what, I got a new deal at Liberty. There's not a whole lot of pressure here. Yeah, we're good. Um, or if he doesn't. If he's not allowed back in the conference, he might end up on the West Coast at, at SC. Well, I, I think you know what I, I think the the Tennessee job has lost a lot of luster just by the fact that I of this of what I said earlier. You had two coaches there for thirty one years, and now you've had four for the last eleven. If I'm a coach, you're pursuing me. I'm thinking, well, why have they gone through so many coaches here? Four coaches in the last eleven years. What what is the problem? There's obviously a problem somewhere. Uh, is it a quick trigger? Somebody's not making a good choice. Whatever it is, I, I think it's lost some luster for the fact that I mean, coaches talk. They talk. They you know they talk to each other. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the beast. And there, and when you go through that many coaches in that short period of time, word gets out. Oh yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I think it's something that. You know, goes without saying, and and Kurt, you you probably you probably agree with this. It, it's definitely cheapened a little bit, and so it'd be interesting to kind of see you know uh, who they get. I still think resources wise, they're you know they're they're upper tier in in the conference. And if I'm a if I'm a Group of Five coach, and Tennessee offers me, I'm gonna take my chance because it's it's in the SEC. Um, great resources, you, seemingly great administration now with with uh, new leadership at, at the athletic director spot and you know new new leadership in the uh, wherever the main administration building is on campus. So th- there's been some changes not only within the football program at the university but all around at the university. So I, I think there's more support for the football and they want to stabilize and they want to get behind somebody. They just got to find that right fit and and maybe Pruitt can eventually be that right fit. Uh, we don't know. We we got to change. We got to change a couple more variables, uh, and and then give them a chance to see if those variables were the thing that were holding them back, or if it's or if Pruitt is actually the variable that was holding them back. We we don't know quite yet. That's that's what's so frustrating for Tennessee fans is they don't know. They don't know the answers. They don't know what what's holding them back at this moment. They they just know that their quarterback play is horrendous. Their offensive play call in the second half is to to be kind abysmal. Um, and, and they just, it's just an utter embarrassment with what, how they're playing, especially in the second half of these games. I mean, that, that Auburn game, they were, they were sitting really pretty in the first half. I mean, they, I felt like they were in control of that game in the first half and then they just fell apart. You know, it just, it's just one of those things where it's just lingering past culture, you know, it, that happens a lot of places. And so, you know, you get used to losing. You know, I, I I think some of the stink from the O and eight, uh, from the O and eight in in conference play uh, and Butch Jones's last year is is still kind of lingering around a little bit. 
Recruiting is never an issue at Tennessee. He's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he's got to find an answer there. Is Gray eligible? Eric Gray? Is he draft eligible? Yeah, no, not yet. Okay, no. Not yet. Yeah, but Trace Trey Smith. Yeah. Trey Smith, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would expect probably I, I'd say probably Cade Mays is another one that's gonna end up going also. Yeah. Um uh, you know, uh Pruitt's come out and said that he he'll take everybody's welcome to come back, but <laughs> Let's see if Garantano decides he wants to come back. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens on that one. <laughs> he may the, be the only one that gets the red card. To, uh, no, you can't come back. <laughs> Look. I think he's got one more after this. So And, and two guys, think about this. Tennessee was in hot pursuit of JT Daniels, and there were rumors that he was coming to Knoxville because of his relationship with T. Martin when he was at USC. 
Th- think about that now. If he had come to Knoxville, he'd be going through the same scenario. So speaking of JT Daniels, I mean, you, you know, it seems like we found two uh, SEC uh, franchise quarterbacks in in uh, in Athens last week: JT Daniels and Will Rogers of Mississippi State. You want to talk about somebody who was on point all night long was Will Rogers. I, he impressed me even, uh, you know, as a freshman making his second start. And so, um, you know, JT Daniels, you, you look at, you look at his body of work and, you know, you watch him make his throws and, and he's still kind of gimpy on that right knee. So I, I don't know that anything would have been different. I don't know that he would have been playing any sooner in Knoxville. Um, because I think it's always been an issue of, you know, that, that surgically repaired knee, and, and how much stability and mobility and confidence that he had on it because, yeah, he was medically cleared after the Arkansas game, after the first game of the season, but he wasn't anywhere near football ready. And, and you could tell, and that was apparent, um, that you know he's just now getting his confidence back that he can actually push off on that knee and, and drive the ball down the field, which there was a couple throws where you could tell that he wasn't put driving into that knee as, as much as he normally would had it been healthy. Um, and there was a couple balls that he shorted, um, a couple deep balls that he shorted that uh, that normally probably would have been dimes if he was completely healthy. So he's not 100, percent but he he he's well enough, mobile enough. He's 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 enough like him normal self. Threw for 400 yards, which I think the first time since 2013 with Aaron Murray that a Georgia quarterback has thrown for 400 yards. Dude looked impressive. He had he had great poise, great command of the of the game. Uh, just seemed like. Didn't matter what the situation was, third and long, second and long, first and ten, first and goal. Got guys in your face spinning out, you know, and, and, and dropping dimes all over the field. I mean, I thought he was I thought he was tremendous um and, and played like a, a veteran quarterback should play. And then, you know, on, on the other side of the field you had Will Rogers who just was accurate, poise, you know, standing there made made every throw. I, f- I mean, I felt like he was 100% completion rate um, for the first three quarters. I think Georgia heated him up a little bit uh, towards the end of the game when they had to and, and, and made some plays to, to win that game. But, I mean, I'm telling you, Will Rogers, man, I, I you know, I wish we'd have seen him sooner at Mississippi State. We might be singing a different tune about them. But they're, they're a team that's rapidly improving. I think they got the right nucleus of guys. They only had 49 scholarship bath, uh, players. But for Mike Leach, he's used to that kind of situation. He's used to playing shorthanded. He's used to playing with less talent. Uh, but he's also, you know, when he gets guys that buy into what he's doing, it's it's a great thing. So, I mean, I, I thought, you know, Kirby did a great job of finally pulling the trigger on, on Daniels, which I think he would have started last week against Missouri had we played Missouri. Um, had, had, that game, had that game gone off. Um, and then on the other side, I think Mike Leach, you know, finally figured out you know, teams were playing him in, in those drop eight zones and, and having great success on him and really just kind of forcing their offenses to be patient and and not beat themselves. And I think Mississippi State was doing opposite of that. They were not taking care of the ball, stuff like that. And, and I, I thought he finally – I think he finally found some answers as far as, okay, how can I beat this type of coverage that I'm getting week in and week out here in this league? And, and so I thought he did a great job there. So, I, I mean, I thought – that game was tremendous. Um, and a, a lot of Georgia fans are pointing to, well, our defense, uh, crap, you know, whatever. But no, I mean, you know, Leach does that to you. And and when his offenses are rolling, it doesn't matter who you are, how good your defense is. 
it, it's going to work. It's going to click, especially if you give him that short stuff. And he's patient enough to take it all night long. And the one thing Leach is doing, he's building trust with his players. Uh, by alternating them like that, each series is basically it's an on-the-field audition. And the players see it in practice, but they don't see it like now the defensive, everybody sees it, you know. And so that's what I'd recommend for Tennessee about a month ago, you know, if he could just audition both guys, um, Harrison and, and Garantano, so they could both, everybody could see, you know, who was doing yeah. what, you know. And, and you know, that, that puts the, uh, the, 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 the willingness and the readiness on the quarterback themselves. I mean, they do that in a lot of other positions, you know. And once you have your guy, he's our guy. Plus, in recruiting now, you've got a freshman moving forward. Now you go recruit some guys all over around him and make him a better ball. But they know what they're going to have to play with. Right now, if I recruit for Tennessee, I'm probably still going to really look at Tennessee. But I'm thinking, like, what kind of guy is going to get me the football? You know, what's he like? Who is he? You know, is he guaranteed? So, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I, yeah, I got you. Kurt just froze up. But – yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, Craig, you can pick up where he where he left off. I mean, you, you, you get aggressive and go with a freshman and, and really, you know, buy into the notion of, hey, we're going to put this guy out there. We're going to we're going to see what he's got. We're going to we're going to ride this this thing and, and, and just and just go with it and, and have supreme confidence in him. That goes well, I way. agree. And, I, and, I, and, you know, the, the same premise goes with Harrison Bailey. I mean, what, what do you have to lose at this point? You're two and five. And, and Mississippi State was at that point also. Uh, uh, and as Kurt, as Kurt mentioned, uh, he has a tendency, he, he runs off a lot of, of really good players that you shake your head about. Uh, one of them was running back Hill. He was an all-SEC player. Uh, but he ends up getting his guys, and slowly but surely, they start building back up. And by the end of the year, he's got a good football team uh, in his first season. Now, uh, Rodgers, I didn't get to see a whole lot. I was like with Kurt myself and didn't get to see a whole lot of that ball game live. He, but, he was 41 of 52 for 336 and, and, uh, and a touchdown. Well, you know, again, if you're not, got, you know, what have you got to lose at this point to play a fre- play the freshman if he's if he's not gonna if you feel confident he can still he can do it you know he's gonna make mistakes uh, freshmen do that but the plus side is he's gonna gain tons of experience and then this time next year or the beginning of next year he's gonna be that much more ahead of where he would be, and then you can look towards the future of that season. No doubt. And and I think that – and uh, they, they did a great job. Mike Leach did a great job of, of doing that and showing that, okay, well, things went sideways with this uh, grad transfer that we had, K.J. Costello. He was not taking care of the football. I think he was a turnover machine. And so he's like, man, I, I, I'm. And what he did with with uh, Rogers is he started just easing him in. You know, he didn't just say, okay, boom, go out there and start. Uh, he started easing him in and easing him into some situations. And and they got to a point. I think mid. I think in the Vandy game they were doing the the two quarterback platoon. Like, you get a series, you get a series, you get a series, you get a series, you get a series. And and so I think that through doing that they were able to evaluate what they had in both guys, and then they determined that. Rodgers was good enough to supplant the grad transfer 
and that he was going to make less mistakes. He had more upside, so they're going to go with him, and it seems like that's going to pay off because Rodgers, even though in a loss, again, 41 of 52 for 336, I mean, the guy was just on point all night long, didn't miss much at all. Um, there, were some, there were some plays where I thought he probably could have got rid of the ball a lot sooner where he got some pressure. Um, but then again, you know, Georgia's defensive front does that to you. Uh, and, and and they're good enough that when they can get get to you and get home on blitzes, that uh, that they prove to be dangerous. Yeah, it's it's fun to see that when the team when the offensive coaches have have basically dialed in and what they're doing and the players executing and uh, that was the thing um, we saw from some teams early and we thought they were, they weren't playing defense, but we learned quickly that Georgia can play defense and so it'd be interesting to see how they finish it up and then. Also, all the other SEC teams, I know we're going to get to and talk some about some other teams too, but it's fun to see both of those teams have their guy for this season and moving forward. Yes. Exactly. And and yeah, you never know. Yeah, and, and you see you see the guys around around Will Rogers, around JT Daniels, they they, they elevate their level of play. I mean, Demetrius Robertson made a catch for the first time all year, I feel like. I mean he's probably made some catches, but you know, I, I think for the first time like he made a significant impact in this football game. Uh, you know, you have Jermaine Burton that broke out uh george pickens was welcomed back quite nicely and and uh Kyrus jackson i mean all of a sudden you have georgia who had a much maligned receiving core now just all of a sudden explodes i mean you have some of the stats jermaine burton eight catches for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns george pickens eight for 87 and a touch Kyrus jackson four for 55 i mean you got some explosive numbers here demetrius robert three catches for 45 yards um all have longs over 30 yards. And uh, and Jermaine Burton had a 24.6 average per catch, uh, which is insane. Uh, and, and so you, know, you, get, you get a bunch of guys involved in the pass game. Now all of a sudden it's fun to play in this offense. And finally, I think Todd Monken has got the guy that he wants. And, and, and it was never a matter of if JT Daniels – was going to play. It was just a matter of when. When was when was his knee going to respond and be healthy enough to go? And and it finally is. And you see guys get excited. On the flip side, Will Rogers, same thing. The guys, the guys, you can tell they believe in him because Jaden Wally. Have you ever heard of him before? Before Saturday? No, because he's a true freshman. Didn't really do much, but he had seven catches for 115 and a touchdown. Uh, his long of 51 was that touchdown catch on a, on a wheel route against man coverage. Osiris Mitchell, seven catches. Dylan Johnson, the running back, seven catches. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, running back, six catches. You, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You had ten guys catch at least one pass. Uh, ten guys catch a pass. And that you know you had two running backs in that mix. Uh, and then Javante Payton had two catches uh, from Hillsborough. So um, you know, Mike Leach, you know, people that were, that were dogging on him. I was like, man, you, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna figure out real quick, you know, 
what he's doing here. And, and so you got guys believing on, on that side. Now you got guys believing on the Georgia side, um, on the offensive side of the ball. Need to shore up the running game a little bit. The offensive line struggled a little bit, but that'll take care of itself. I, I think now that you got the passing game figured out, you know, teams can't load up on your run. Uh, teams teams aren't going to be able to load up on you now that you got a legitimate quarterback back there. So, um, you know, hats off to both these coaches in this game. I, I thought it was a well-coached game from, from both sides. I thought, my God, like the offensive play calling was absolutely outstanding. Probably the best overall offensive play calling I've ever seen in a game. Um, that, w- that wasn't the Chiefs uh, versus Rams from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mississippi State's great on defense. I mean, their front their front seven's good. They're tough. They, you know, Errol Thompson, uh those linebackers are are outstanding. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, you can look at defensive play calling two ways. Um you have a well well called game, dominant. You have well called dominant game, right? You have a well called uh, game, but the, the the offense just executes and just just happens to get you, but you don't make any catastrophic mistakes and you're in good position. They just the, the other guys just make a play, or you can have a catastrophic, completely meltdown where guys are like the Florida game for Georgia, defensively atrocious, blown coverages everywhere, couldn't tackle couldn't get lined up, couldn't communicate. Against Mississippi State, I thought they communicated well. I thought they were in good position. It's just Mississippi State does what Mississippi State does. They they took what Georgia was going to give them, and, and then they made them pay with that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to point to that as great offensive ex- execution. Probably could have adjusted a little bit quicker um, if I get net picky with it, but I, I thought the defensive game plans were, were, were pretty good on both sides. They just, you know, sometimes offense just executes because that's, that's what offense does nowadays. Well, you know, you're right. I mean, that's just 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 as Nick Saban said, uh, you know, uh, it's no longer defense wins championships. It's offense wins championships. And it's cyclical. Guys, I can remember when the wishbone was was out there and running wild. Everybody was using wish. Nobody could stop it. Then all of a sudden uh, the defense is caught up with it. Nobody runs it anymore for a reason. Uh, and, and defenses yeah. will eventually catch up to this, but right now they are woefully behind uh, as far as stopping really good offensive attacks. They don't have answers for all the various routes and things that can come off of the pistol and uh, uh, the spread offense, and, and, and it, it's an offensive game right now. Yeah, exactly. Big spreads are – Big point totals, things like that. You're you're always going to see that, and it, and it's the rise of the air raid. The air raid is the new triple option, the the new thing, the new it thing. And there's variations of it all over the place. You know, there's the Mike Leach air raid. There's the Lincoln Riley uh, air raid. There's the Graham Harrell air raid. There's the Cliff Kingsbury NFL air raid. There's the six two nine air raid. Um, there's all there kinds of stuff, man. There's 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 <laughs> everything, man. And, and <laughs> you like how I dropped that little nugget, huh? Um, 
So I mean, it, it's just it's just different forms of 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 the air raid and different different twists and things like that. So, um, it, it you know it, it's just you know it works. It's effective for a reason. It takes advantage. Um, it has built-in progressions, and and uh, they can hurt you if you let them. And and so you got to get pressure on the quarterback, which is impossible because he gets the ball out quick. So. You know, it's catch twenty two. You know, do you want to do you want to blitz the hell out of the quarterback and give up a big play and 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 get momentum, or do you want to sit back, make them be patient, rally to the ball, tackle, and and, and hope you know hope they make a mistake? Yeah, I think you got to find a balance between the two, but I think mostly you got to be patient against those type of things. It's like triple option offense; you play it exactly the same. Be disciplined. You know, understand you're probably going to give up some yards. Understand that they're going to score some points. Um, but you just got to limit the damage, and 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 your offense just better be ready to come play that day. And so, Georgia did that, and Georgia's defense clamped down late in the game. I think they only scored one second half touchdown, so uh, that was good. And uh, you know, it's just all around good game. It was an entertaining game. Mississippi State's not as bad as everybody uh, thought they were or hoped they would be. And and so, hats off to them. You know, sometimes it just—I mean, this is what this league is all about, right? This is what the SEC is all about: parity. Everyone's tough. Including Vandy, Vandy had a Vandy had a nice little tough outing. Uh, they gave Florida all they could handle. Uh, speaking of freshman quarterback Ken Seals, I mean the one thing Derek Mason has done right all season long was he went with them out of the gate. Man, he he saw he saw some promise in the in the young freshman. He said, you know what, I'm not rotating anybody. This is our guy. We're gonna get behind him, and they have. And they've had some growing pains, but they've gotten behind him, and they're playing some pretty good offensive football. What? Kurt, what what do you see from Vandy that that's changed a little bit that that's making them or helping them improve um, offensively? Well, I think number one thing is they they stole from other teams and they, after they played Ole Miss, they realized really quick if they would go a little faster and throw some bubble screens out to the wide extended trips out there in a bunch, and they do that a lot. I mean, they do that a lot. First down, they just throw out there and let Cam Johnson and one of those receivers take off and get five, six, and if it break a tackle, they got a big gain. So they really incorporated some things they've seen with other things. I think Derek Mason probably got in the offensive room said, guys, we, we don't have answers for this, this, and this. And so the coordinator from Louisiana Tech, you know, had been doing it before with Skip Holtz, and, and now he's really speeding the game up, and there's some things that are just making it tough on the, the you know, external, the outside perimeter of a defense tackling. And so very, very effective against Florida. They also formation. They also did some short motions and ran some stuff that Florida had a tough time who who to pick up who, you know, and there was some they just like Craig and I were watching one we were watching one series and they let a guy go right down the middle and there was nobody there and he scored a touchdown. So uh, that's what you have to do. You have to take the the little things that schematically you think is going to be advantage for you and put it into play and and and, and practice it and and uh and it comes through tuition, you know, and, the, and they made it happen. So they did a very, very good job there. So, but to your point, yeah, they stuck with a freshman. They've got the other freshman coming in, getting him some experience. So, you know, they, they'll have two guys, you know, in the fold this time next year. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll build from within some some line linebackers. They had a lot of opt-outs, and, uh, and uh, they did play very, very good. Uh, I was looking forward to Tennessee game this week. Uh, but now with uh, Tennessee and Arkansas, I think now we're matched up with Missouri. So uh, that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough game because Missouri played South Carolina last week, and South Carolina came came you know trying to show everybody that wasn't the wasn't the head coach's fault, but they ended up losing I think seventeen to ten to, to Missouri. But uh, it'll be fun to see Vanderbilt Missouri play this week. 
now with Vanderbilt, is it still, you know, are, are, are we still kind of on the, we still need to change at the top and need some new leadership there? Or is it kind of one of those things where maybe he's fought his way out of it? You know, I, I think just by that, by those guys fighting and how they got after it and, uh, you could see some new things. I know I could see a lot of new little wrinkles. So it seems like he's really uh, allowing some coaches to do some coaching, you know, and a coordinator from Louisiana Tech. And, and, and uh, so, you know, if, if they just I, – I, that's what I like seeing. I like seeing uh, making competitive, getting after it, playing as hard as you can for as long as you can, and, and knowing they're undermanned, you know, through scholarships and opt-outs. But – uh, about a month ago, man, they just – they you saw nothing. I saw no creativity on offense. I didn't see – I just saw like a – this looks like a – Looks like they were going three through formations. Yeah two, yeah, two or three formations. And let's don't do anything to keep them off balance. Let's don't hurry up. Let's don't run trips. Let's don't motion the trips. Let's, you know, just line – you just you, – you can't run – you can't run with a lot of these teams – the upper echelon if you don't have the up you know that type of athlete so you're gonna have to do like i i keep referring to lane kiffin but he does a lot of uh a lot of stuff that people you know uh, even even nick saban doesn't like but i guarantee he puts it in the next week so to be effective you know and, and make guys have mismatches on, on coverages and get your better receiver against a linebacker by short motioning and quick motioning and doing some things schematically you have to do that. I mean, that's just what you have to do in this league. They do it in NFL, and the SEC is just a, just a smaller version of NFL. No doubt. And you know Alabama's doing all that stuff because they got Sarkeesian. So, Craig, what, what are your thoughts outside looking in from the Vandy program? Improvements, things like that? Are we starting to buy Derek Mason a little bit, or are we still kind of same position? Or what's your, what's your thoughts? Well, bottom line is they're still 0-7. Uh, even though they played well, I thought they played better against Florida, they still lost on their home field by 21 points. Um, you know, you can say what you want to. They look better, they look better, but they still don't have a win. And you're ultimately, as a coach, you're judged on wins and losses. Uh, there's no participation trophies for doing a good job. And, hey, at pat on the back, we lost by three touchdowns on our home field. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I still think the program is uh, not very good at this point. Uh, I think it's fallen to the point of where it was uh, before uh, James Franklin came on board, some of the really, really lean years. I think those are, are still there right now. Uh, I think there's some glimmer of hope by some Vanderbilt fans that they've played better. Uh but still, I, I, you still look at the fact that they have not won a game yet this year, and and you lose by 21 points on your home field. Really, the only shot they got, to be quite honest with you, the only shot they have to win, I think they'll go to Missouri and play them pretty well. I still don't think they'll win. The shot they have is Tennessee to beat them. As bad as Tennessee's been playing, they have a shot at beating the Tennessee as far as that goes, if they don't beat Tennessee, I think they're O for the season. Then you got to step back as the new and, and new AD and say, is this guy, is he the guy that's going to lead this team into the future? We're coming off an o, o for season. If they lose the rest of them, is this the guy? And we all know that these ADs, you know, 
they they don't want, they don't like losing their jobs either. And if they're going to lose their job, if they're going to go down. They're going to go down with their guy at the helm. That is true. Yep, I think it's a great point. You know, we're having Georgia, Tennessee, and Missouri. I think those are the three teams. Um, you know, Missouri's going to take a this take a big time playing some big ball, and then uh, Georgia it's going to be very very tough. But Tennessee, you're right. Uh, uh, I think that would be that'd be interesting to see uh, see see what happens with with uh, really with Tennessee and Vanderbilt. We may see both both of them making some changes at the top, or you know, Vanderbilt went through new coordinators this year. So uh, I think the excuses are I I think Vanderbilt is a year ahead of where Tennessee needs to be as far as coaching changes, things like that, because Derek Mason was given a chance to say, "Hey, um, here you go, here's some new coordinators. See what you got." Now they're going over. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what – I don't even know if they can afford to fire him. But for Tennessee, I, I think this is their next step because I think if you fire Pruitt, maybe that's too soon. And, you know, it, and coaches with any bit of quality probably don't want to come into an unstable program, um, probably don't want to jump into that because they know, hey, if I don't do well in two years, I'm going to be canned. Um, and so, you know, you don't like to see it get that way, but it's starting to get that way. But – you know, I think you 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 fire the coordinators, and you you start over with with coordinators and um and and try to figure some things out at Tennessee. And if it doesn't work next year, then 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 it's on Pruitt. Get rid of him. Um, probably Hugh Freeze's um his SEC ban will probably be expired. Or Greg Sankey be like, all right, whatever, just come on back. You know, paid your dues, whatever whatever the case may be. If he even wants to come back, but um, so yeah, I, I think Vanderbilt is is uh. I mean, it's all a Mason right now. So, whatever decision they make, whatever whatever they feel the direction of the program is, do they do they feel that playing better um, it is enough moving forward and enough of a small step? Um, do they believe that? I don't know. Uh, do they do they say, okay, you're over? That's not acceptable. No matter who you are, no matter what the circumstances are, do they say that? No. Because, I mean, you got thumped. I think it was, what, 52-3 to by a team that fired their head coach in the midseason? That's unacceptable. Um, you know, you get you get embarrassed by Ole Miss um, on your home field and in and, and, and weather conditions that should have equalized that game. Um, and against the defense, they couldn't do anything against the defense that can't stop a high school team. And so I, I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, I think you take those things into consideration as well and you weigh them against the, okay, well, they played better against Mississippi State. Sloppy at times, but they played better. They played better against Florida, gave Florida everything they could handle. They got a great freshman quarterback and a lot of opt-outs. You know, you weigh that against the, okay, well, they they flat out embarrassed themselves. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I don't know if they can afford to do it. Or I mean, it's not a matter of if they can afford it. It's a matter of if they want to be able to afford to do that kind of thing. So we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, speaking of coaches that may or may not be on the hot seat, it's very unclear. And it's very unclear either year uh, with Gus Malzahn because he starts the year off so poorly. And then he and then he come, comes in and somehow finds ways to beat Alabama. I think he's won two out of the last three years against in, in the Iron Bowl. Um, seems to be on a roll right now. Uh, you know, got things together. Finally, found a way to harmonize that team. They're playing some great football right now. I think they've kind of figured out. I feel like they've figured out their personnel offensively. I figured. I, I feel like they figured. I feel like they figured out 
what they can do, and they're finally doing it, which I think they were trying to learn a few things about what they had and how to fit in with Chad Morris. I think they're finally starting to do that. And so what do we make of Gus? Does he stay? Does he go? Does he leave on his own accord? You know, where where do we stand? Where do we stand with Gus Malzahn? Uh, personally, I, I don't get why he's on the hot seat. The guy is 67 and 33 uh, currently. That, that's a 670 winning percentage. And as you mentioned, Corey, he's won two out of the last three Iron Bowls. He's three and four all time against Alabama. I mean, I, I don't understand why he's on the hot seat. Do you think Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Missouri? I mean, I can name off probably eight SEC schools that would love to be 67 and 33 in their last hundred games. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I agree with you, Craig. I, I don't, I don't understand why he's on the hot seat, but I, I guess it's the inconsistency. It's the up and down. I think that 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 frustrates most of that fan base. And and uh, I mean, Kurt, you're you're down there in Auburn country. What what I mean, what are you hearing? What 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 is the daily talk down there? I think I think we lost him. Um, well, it's that I, Auburn I, internet. I think they heard that he was about to talk about Gus, so they cut his internet. They cut him off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, though, Corey, I, I just don't. I don't get why. Uh, he's on the. He, he's had one. He had one bad loss. Uh, and that was South Carolina. That was a bad loss. They're five and two. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get to those five wins or how you can't. What circumstances led to those five wins? The bottom line is, out of seven games, you've won five. And there's a lot of teams in the country and a lot of teams in the SEC that'd love to be five and two right now. They they've been impressive most of their games. They've gotten helped by the officials in two of those games, Ole Miss and, and, and Arkansas, which probably could have resulted in losses. But Kurt, uh, before the Auburn Mafia <laughs> cut you off, what uh, what what are you hearing? Well, that, down there? everybody's every year they don't care about all the games. All I heard today in the last couple of days leading up to Auburn Alabama Iron Bowl, as long as he wins Iron Bowl, and he did a good Iron Bowl last year, so. Uh, you know, I really thought the Auburn-Tennessee loser would be in jeopardy, but uh, now with Tennessee uh, having COVID conveniently, I guess they don't get to play Vanderbilt this week. And then, I, you know, I could see in a scenario where he'd been let go after if he lost to Vanderbilt, you know. But now with Auburn, um, I think I think I have to agree, you know, it doesn't matter how you get to those five wins, whatever shady looked like you know and, and the victories they got over two sec teams but they got the victories you know uh, yeah i mean they're playing some really good football right now they're playing some inspired football right now and i think offensively they're starting to kind of match up defense is always i mean kevin Steele's is a tremendous coordinator and then guys play for art for him no matter what uh, so that's never been an issue. I think the offense early in the season put them in tough spots, especially in that South Carolina game, and especially in that Georgia game. Their defense was put in so many tough spots. They got beat by Stetson Bennett. That should be a fireable offense right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, I think when you look at the overall picture of this uh, of this Auburn offense, it's going to look like a freaking roller coaster, man. You're you're ebbing, you're flowing, you're ebbing and flowing, ebbing and flowing, ebbing and flowing. And, you know, I, I think they would like a little bit more stability in that regard. But, you know, with some of the recent hires he made, Chad Morris giving him control of the offense, I think if he can stabilize that group over there, uh, that, that'll be that'll be a tremendous thing. Um, they recruit well. So, 
you, you never really have to worry about having depleted talent. I mean, they re, they recruit well. It's Auburn. Uh, so we're we're gonna see when Seth Williams leaves. What you know, kind of what they're like. But Tank they got a great running back in there in Tank Bixby. So they got a bright future. It's just a matter of if Auburn fans or Auburn administration is crazy enough to fire him. But I mean, they fired Chiswick two years after winning a national championship, so they've done crazier stuff. Um, but uh, you know, to me, I, I think it's I think it's a bit ridiculous unless there's some off the field issues that we don't know about uh, that's happening with him that's putting him out of favor with the administration, whether it's graduation stuff, class stuff, uh, how he's handled COVID, how he's handled all this, you know, social justice stuff that's that's been going on. Uh, regardless of, I, I don't know how he's handling all that stuff. I don't know his day to day interactions with the administration. Uh, the athletic administration and the administration of the school. So there might be some underlying issues that are that are really rubbing some people the wrong way. But if you look at strictly on the field production, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He, he shouldn't be fired. Um, he should be well off of the hot seat unless he decides to leave on his own. I think he's going to remain the coach at Auburn University. Well, I think you don't under underestimate the fact, too, that, you know, your men's basketball program is uh, – uh, took a self-imposed ban on postseason as a, as a result of uh, uh, Chuck Person's dealings uh, with an agent, and uh, you know I, I've read and there's been some scuttlebutt that there's more to this than meets the eye, and there could be some more coming out uh, regard that. So you know you're already taking some heat on your men's basketball program, who has been which has been incredible since Bruce Pearl's been there. So, you know, you may want to deflect, you know, hey, we'll hang easy here with the football program because we're taking some heat over here on the basketball side. Their AD at Auburn is a Notre Dame baseball graduate, and he's a very intelligent guy. And he, I think he sees the values that, you know, maybe that Gus and that staff that pointed these guys and, and they're, like I said, and they've had good, they've had good, uh, Production the last I think he's been there last year and this year, and I think with COVID and not having crowds, I, I think it's just a different different time. I, I would see I would see him keeping keeping uh, miles on because he just signed a brand new contract. He's probably got the biggest payout of anybody any of the coaches we mentioned between Derek Mason and Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, it was like, is it still $31 million right now? I don't or know, but it, it's huge. Or did it get cut in half? It's no way they – I mean, it's just – I mean, yeah. it's just financially it's a – you know. And then that would probably be on the AD then if he wanted to get rid of him. I'd give him a brand-new extension and all that money for – so, so um, you know, I, I think he, he did everything he, they asked him to do. They want a new coordinator. They want to throw the football. They want to highlight Bo Nix. They want to find, find out if they do have a franchise quarterback. Let's put him in a – Pass first philosophy. Chad Morris has has done that, as you mentioned. Tank coming in as a freshman uh, has really helped them uh, play off of each other, and they're going to be they're going they're going to get better and better. So uh, I think Auburn, I think down the plains, are doing just fine uh, with who they have at the leadership position right now. Yeah, I think he's done a good job. I think he's. And just to fight through all that scrutiny and, and, and all the, the people pile on you early in the season, you know, you get losses to, you know, you get, you get a loss to Georgia week two. You get what should have been a loss to Arkansas. They played like crap in the driving rain. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, you, you get down to Ole Miss and it comes down to with a, a botched call on a 
on a kick, on a fumble on a kickoff that would have won the game for Ole Miss. You know, you, you you get by that game and fans are probably looking at it going, what? In the... And then South Carolina, boom, it all comes to a head. You got you got guys fighting on the sidelines. You got coaches just kind of looking lost, and the team is just they're, they're fighting on the sideline. They're fighting on the field. They're you know penalties all over the place. Just real sloppy. Like this team is about to about to quit on on their on on Malzahn. and that was kind of the turning point like after that week they they could have and and no one I don't think anybody would have blamed them they could have just they could have just folded up shop and said yeah. you know what Screw early, it. I'm out of here you know Bo, and then earlier Bo Nix game is not two the that, answer. Uh, also mentioned but, earlier was Kentucky the guy scored on the for Kentucky and they said he didn't score and then two plays later the guy ran all the way you know had 100 yard but that got called back but what a 14 potentially 14-point swing. So Kentucky, the Alabama – Auburn just needs to really be counting their blessings. And I know Alabama is yearing and ready yeah. after playing 50, 63. Well, they, they scored 63 yeah. straight against Kentucky. It was three to nothing. They just woke up the sleeping giant and went 63-3 to three on them. So Alabama and Auburn, Iron Bowl week this week. So it's going to be interesting. Throw the, rec- throw the records out. Throw everything out the window in this game. Um, so that'll be that'll be <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun to watch, honestly. Um, so uh, you know, Gus is safe, I think. Uh, South Carolina, we we we've beat the, we've beat that horse to death as far as their candidates. We know who they we know who they want uh, in in there. You know, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, somebody that's finding his way. It's it's a little rough for him. It's a little rocky for him. But I I think the situation there is kind of. I think he walked into a tough spot there at, at Missouri. So and got a really bad draw in the. Uh, in the schedule release back in the summer. So uh, a lot of factors there for Drinkwitz, but I think he's slowly improving, and I think he's building that culture there. And similar to what he did at, at App State uh, before before he left there. So uh, good things going on there. But I want to talk before we before we go, uh, because this, this almost seems like a weekly segment of how can Jim Harbaugh outdo himself. And then his brother got in on the action too yesterday uh, with, uh, with the Titans and Mike Vrabel and all that stuff. So let's talk about the Harbaugh's, man. Rutgers, who that game last year would have been a forty-five point point spread, you know, and you're Michigan. You you shouldn't be toying with Rutgers, no matter how good they're playing. It's it's it, you know it should have been yeah, it's a cute story that you're playing well this year, but we're still Michigan, and we're just gonna steamroll you like we always do and always should because we're freaking Michigan. We got all this tradition. We had some guy named. Charles Woodson that played here. We had some guy named, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Tom Brady, um, some some quarterback, I don't know, played there, a lot of tradition um, at Michigan. Um, I could probably go on and name some guy named Desmond Howard, won a Heisman there. I don't know. You know I, I think tradition, at this point, I, Corey, I they're just happy to get a win, to be quite honest. If it would have been Hillwood High School or Rutgers, it didn't matter. They They just needed a win. Hillwood would have gave him a run, man. <laughs> Hell Page would have been back there dancing and 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 driving yeah, the ball. It it, it just. I, I think I think um, you know bad, I think man. The, that cake's already cooked and burnt, and they just ready to get it out of the oven. And I think I would have got one it's or two on, more games. Michigan. It's on the way to the trash can. They play just, Ohio State this week, right? Yeah. Oh wow! I think Ooh. I'm not sure. That's going. That's going to get. I haven't that's looked. At, get I haven't looked at the Big early. Ten slate, but I think they play Ohio State. They usually do this time of year. But 
Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about it. They're just bad all around. I don't think there's anything you can point to that they do well right now. Defensively, they're awful. Um, offensively, they're, I mean, Josh Gaddis, man, I don't know what happened to him or if he's just kind of checked out because Harbaugh's checked out or I don't know how much of a thing that is in college football. I mean, I thought you're always, every day's an audition um, at, at, at that level, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. Maybe he's still got a lot to learn. Maybe it's just part of the culture. I, I don't know. But the, the culture is bad. I know that for sure. Uh, the culture is bad in Michigan right now because they have too much talent to be this bad. And so Harbaugh, I mean, we, we know he's gone. Uh, and I would love to see, that, like like we've said every week, because this is a weekly weekly thing with us now with, J- with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but get Luke Fickle in there. Just let's just Let's just be done with it, right? Um, let's talk about his brother, uh, John. Uh, had a little dust up at, at uh, pregame uh, yesterday with the Titans. Uh, Mike Vrabel and him had to be separated. Which, if those two got in a fight, I mean, he, I mean, Vrabel would probably be arrested for manslaughter because holy cow, man, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to mess with Vrabel, man. That dude's crazy and he's huge. So, uh, John Harbaugh, you got. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't know if it's cojones or. If it's lack of intelligence or combination of both, but man, you're barking up the wrong tree right there, man. And then Tennessee goes out and shows, hey, we own you guys. Derrick Henry, man, tremendous game. Arthur Smith called a brilliant game for for the Titans. Uh, I thought they played really well. Uh, almost they tried to give it up there at the end, um, but you know they didn't. King Henry just said, you know what, I'm just gonna run you over. What do you guys think about that? I mean. Um, you know, John had a rough day. The Harbaugh's had a rough weekend. Well, I think two games in a row, the Titans have done an outstanding job of limiting Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, he he can kill you in so many ways, especially with his legs. And they've eliminated uh, a lot of those scrambles where he's he's getting big chunk yardage and made him pass. And that is his weakness. Uh, throwing the ball is his weakness, and uh, they have made him uh, one-dimensional, and as a result, the last two games, they've won. Now, the Ravens, on a short week, they've got to take on the undefeated Steelers on Thanksgiving, and that'll be interesting to see if if they they can make a comeback there. But, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson is not, you know, he was an MVP last year, but he's not playing like an MVP this year. No, he's not. I mean, early in the week, he he was interviewed, and I saw one of the NFL networks that he's really frustrated that he thinks the defense knows the plays, the defense knows the checks, um, and I, I think he's probably it's been uh, just very j- vanilla, basic generalities in the passing game, and they'll have to grow, start growing it. And you know, when Des Bryant signs off the street and he catches four passes for near, nearly a hundred yards. That tells me they've got weakness in that wide receiver room, and got a, they've probably got to upgrade there. When you draft a, a, another running back like they did this year, Dobbins from Ohio State, to go with you know uh, their returning running back from Alabama. So I, th- I think they've got a they've got a good. They lost a tight end. I guess a tight end went to Atlanta Falcons. But they so, replaced him with another yeah, All Pro, Mark Andrews, who. That was Baker Mayfield's number one yeah. target. I mean, they got the Sooners' offense basically with uh, Hollywood Brown right. and Mark Andrews. Right. So, 
you know, you, you, yeah. you go out and I, they, I mean, they have no height. You know, Des Bryant comes in, he's the tallest guy in the, in the receiver room. And he, he is your big target, which I mean, yeah. they, they, they draft, I think in the third or fourth round, Devin Duvernay, which I mean, it's a solid pick um, slot guy from Texas, yeah. but he's, he's a small guy. I mean, yeah, you, you can't you can't You're have right. your number one guy be a small guy and then draft another small slot guy um, to to go with him, and and so you you have to kind of get a bigger playmaker, and I I think you're starting to see this emerge with the New York Jets, uh, where they they had their big guy that they drafted third round Denzel Mims out of out of Baylor, six uh, three target big you know big guy they 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 uh, Flacco relied on him heavily uh, this past week. Uh, to go with their little bit smaller, who had been their number one target, Jamison Crowder, in the slot. Now they got two viable options. They got an outside guy and an inside guy that they can throw to. They have something to build on. They're still an awful organization, but they have a couple pieces to, to, to build on there in the wide receiver room. That's where Baltimore lacks. They, they've got their speed guy now in, in Hollywood Brown. They've got a solid slot guy. I'll, I'll take Duvernay, but you got to have that bigger target, and it can't be 31-year-old Des Bryant. You know, you get, you, you got to have right, something else right. out there, something younger, faster, somebody that can move, whether they get that in free agency or they get that in the draft. I don't know, um, but they got to find that somewhere. And, and there's there's plenty of guys out there that they can trade for, sign, whatever, that's going to be free agents. But they, they, they've got to find an answer and somebody that when stuff breaks down in the pocket, Lamar Jackson's got to be able to find that guy. And he, he can't find it with Marquise Brown. Because he's small. Can't find him with Duvernay because he's small. There's a problem yeah, there. You know, Hollywood Brown has been pretty much non-existent the last few weeks. He's been a real disappointment. And for, for he has the, no help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the you know, the high draft beat that they, they have for him, he's not been able to come through for them. And I think another big Lamb reason why they have they have been uh not as good this year is you know, their running game has been awful. Awful is exactly right. You've got three guys. You got Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and then you got J.K. Dobbins. And if you've got three guys, that means you don't have one. And that's the problem yeah. with them. They don't have a solid running game. Uh, they have gone with a hot hand and tried and tried, but they just have not had a solid running game this year. And and if you don't have that help for your quarterback, and especially if you had Mark uh, with Jackson, Lamar Jackson, who is a sort of an add-on, you know, for his rushing, he 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 adds on to what your running back has. And but he's become the quote unquote top rusher on the team and that that's just not a good formula in the NFL. And what I'm disappointed in, Kurt, and you, you can you can uh piggyback on this or agree or disagree, but you know, I, I thought Greg Roman did a phenomenal job last year of just getting Lamar Jackson, you know, integrated into into the system and, and it is kinda on board in the league. But it's taken that step from Okay, now you have this guy burst on the scene. He's a weapon. You know, NFL defenses had a hard time adjusting to him. Now they have it. They figured him out. They figured out the system now. This is when this is when coaches make their money in the NFL. Now yep. you've yeah. got to reinvent yourself every yeah. every season in the NFL. From Belichick for years, it was every yeah. week. And I, speaking of a guy, I think that would be a great fit for is the Florida tight end, Cal Pitts. I think he'll probably I – I don't know if he'll go from top 10 if he's a top 20 guy, so maybe the Ravens can get a guy like that well, because Devontae for years Smith? and years, drafting – Cal Pitts. Yeah, 
Cal Pitts from Florida. I, I, like I would him like to lot, see him so. draft uh, Devontae Smith from uh, from Bama. From Alabama, he's a he. Uh, you know he's he's got a lot lot to offer. He's a little bit taller yeah. though, isn't he? He's probably six he, he two, would be six that three. Bigger target for them, so. and, and he is great with the ball yeah. in the air. I mean, he high points the ball better than any receiver yeah. I've seen. I mean, that guy makes plays, man. That guy's better than Henry Ruggs, um, and and he probably would have been a first rounder had he come out this year, but he decided not to. Um, but uh, you know, I think he he's going to be. I mean, he might be the first receiver off the board there. Uh, for from Alabama, so you know whoever gets Devontae Smith, if you know, I don't even I don't even know if the the Ravens might have to trade up to get him. I don't think he'll be even available. But and Kyle Pitts probably won't be available where the Ravens are picking either. So I don't I don't know what options you go with. Yeah, they'll both have. Yeah, they'll have to move up. And I think they're going. You're going to have to do that because, like Craig talked about, when you say you have three running backs, you really have nobody. So maybe it's time to make a change here. Go with the the first the. Dobbins in his second year and then put money back into the receiving yeah. group and you know that, that'll help Lamar develop feature and, Dobbins uh, and develop some he's got to have some it, it, you know yeah, he's got to have some guys to throw yeah. to and right now I mean Des Bryant comes off the streets and he's he's one of the lead receivers yeah. so it's just not a good it's not a good you, good you can't trot out there and say our leading rusher is Gus Edwards and no. our uh, our number one receiver is five foot nine. You can't do that in the NFL. I, I don't care who you are. That's not going to happen. Um, don't, I'm not saying Hollywood Brown is a, is a bad receiver. Don't you know? I'm not saying that one bit. He's a great receiver, but he's he's a receiver that needs somebody uh, with him. Like he had C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma with him. You know, C.D. Lamb was he's a, he's a big time playmaker. We saw that. Um, and, and Gus Edwards is not a not a NFL feature back. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's not. You know, develop just just feature J.K. Dobbins, make him your guy. You draft him in the second round, make him your guy, and and go with him, and and have Ingram come in in some situations, have Gus Edwards come in in some situations. You can have a committee backfield. And Ingram's, Ingram's long on the tooth now. He's yeah. been in the league for a while. He had yeah. some great seasons with New Orleans production wise. He, I mean, he, running back, you know, they they have a mileage thing, and he's hit his mileage. He's probably hit his mileage point yeah. now. And then that You're exactly he's, right. He's I mean, he's on the back end of his career. Uh, this will be it for him. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm like you, uh, Corey. I don't understand why they don't make Dobbins the man. I, every game I've seen with him, he's looked really good when he's played. Feature uh, For Just whatever reason, I don't know why. Uh, it's the flip of a coin as to if it's going to be Gus Edwards, him, or Ingram as to who's carrying the rock the most. Uh, you know, if you're spent – he's the future. It's not Gus Edwards. He's the future. Dobbins, go with the guy. Yeah. And Gus Edwards can make a hell of a career being a number two banana, coming in every once in a while and hoping to catch a hot hand for a series or two and, and spelling Dobbins. I mean, I think Gus Edwards has some staying power in this league. I'm not saying he doesn't. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is your guy, and, and you got to go with that. And so, I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, people wonder why why they're struggling. Well, here, here's why they're struggling. You know they don't they don't have a feature back they 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 don't have a, a legitimate feature wide receiver. Uh, Des Bryant comes in and immediately makes an impact off the street. Kurt, you you hit the nail on the head with that. Can't have that happen. You know if a guy can come in and off the street and take your job, was your job really that solid anyway? Probably not. You know, I mean I, I if I if I had a nickel for every time I heard you say that to to our teams at Hillwood in, in the two years that we were there together. I would probably be able to fund this podcast by myself. You know, I, I, 
you know, I I heard that so many times. Hey, if we if we if we get these guys off the street, because we'd have you know we'd have guys pop in and out. They'd come out of they'd come out of the woodworks, uh, just drop in for a week and drop out, um, try out. And if they didn't start, they probably quit. So you know that's that was the nature of the beast at Hillwood. So, um, but yeah, for the Ravens, they've they've got to find that guy. And and uh, Marquise Brown, he's great, but he ain't a number one. Uh, Gus Edwards, okay, great. He's a nice little running back, perfect, right? But J.K. Dobbins is your guy, and and, and finds and, and I think you know Mark Andrews is is a great tight end. Um, he's been kind of a piece that's made uh, Baltimore's offense have some legitimacy. The the reason they're not totally in the tank is because of Mark Andrews. I think um, being a huge piece, literally and figuratively, in, in, in that offense. I mean, he's been tremendous um, at tight end there. He's kind of like your. Uh, kind of like your second tier level of Travis Kelsey uh, type of impact for an offense, and and so I think if they can build around him, add another piece out there on the outside, they're not far away. I mean, we're we're not talking about the Ravens and and why they are picking number one overall. We're talking about the difference in being a being a solid okay playoff team to taking this thing to the next level, and they're a couple pieces away offensively uh, for, to really really being explosive well and i think too the, the the their defense is just not as dominant as it has been in the past uh I, I see holes in that defense i thought the titans exposed them and i think they've been exposed by a lot of teams this year i don't see that uh, dominant shutdown defense that i've seen in the past no not at all well, in that conference you're going to see cleveland browns you're going to see uh, obviously the undefeated pittsburgh steelers and the Ravens, I guess all three of them will make the playoffs. We'd be remiss not to mention the quarterback from Cincinnati Bengals, uh, tearing his knee up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's sadness because he was developing as a rookie. Yeah, he Joe was, Burrow. He was quite so nice. that's going to be a yeah. – yeah, he was playing really, really good and developing. And so uh, that's going to side sideline him, but also their development as a team uh, and his development. So, so within Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland – from the AFC, you know, they're all going to be strong in the playoffs because they're all are getting trying to get trying to get geared up for the playoffs as is the Tennessee Titans as well. And from what I read on Burrow, it's a it's a every ligament in the knee it just shot, exploded. Um it, it's it it's going to be a bit, it's going to be a while before we see Joe Burrow. Um and we may not see Joe Burrow the same ever ever again. And that's a that's just piss poor management by that freaking Bengals organization, man. They're the cheapest organization in the league, man. I, it pisses me off watching them play football because I mean, you're in a good, you're in a great city, and and you have such a cheap owner who won't spend money on anything, and he wonders why he gets franchise quarterbacks hurt all the time. He had a great wide receiver, in AJ Green, let him stay hurt because he couldn't protect him, um, and and so it's just it's just an abomination of of of. Uh, Organizational leadership there for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it's 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 terrible, Craig. Terrible. Well, you know, you you talk about that too, Corey and and Marty Brenneman, uh, the former play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds, tweeted out after the injury and and after the severity of the injury was released and just blasted management for the Bengals and echoed what you said: uh, lack of spending money on the offensive line. Exactly, it, it's 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 abysmal, man. They they can't 
they got to be able to they got to be able to manage that better, man. They got to be. I mean, you're a pro organization. You, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't go cheap in 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 certain personnel spots. I mean, it's going to kill you. And and so it's just awful, man. But um, well, we're, we're we're getting about that. Uh, we're getting about that time, Craig. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, we got some exciting games this week. Um, Georgia, South Carolina, not being one of those exciting games. I think that's going to be a laugher. Uh, but you got, uh, you know, obviously Vandy um, reversing field and playing Missouri. That'll be an interesting contest to see if Vandy can uh, can get one in on Missouri before they uh, before they play Tennessee. Uh, Florida, Kentucky, which seems to always lately seems to always be a really, really hard fought game, but don't see Florida struggling that one much. But the Iron Bowl and the Egg Bowl are two games that really have my interest. Um, now I can't wait to see Mississippi State's playing a lot better now. That game went from a laugher to now that thing might be competitive. Uh, and then of course the Iron Bowl is going to be. Uh, we're going to see just how good Auburn's upswing is. So. A lot of exciting stuff, Craig. Um, but uh, it was a pleasure to do episode four, uh, and and I look forward to uh, getting to episode four hundred and forty-four. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Down the and you know, I'll say this last point: I, I miss no SEC games on Thanksgiving nor the day after on Friday. I can't remember the last time. There's been no. It's going to be weird. Yeah, it will be very weird. Uh, it's weird. I was looking at the schedule that there's no games. Uh, hate to see that. Just really enjoyed watching an SEC game on on that on Thanksgiving or the day after on Friday. But that's 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. What a terrible year. Um, Twenty. What a 2020 and the Bengals front office have have in common. What? They're both awful. <laughs> They're both awful, and they both they both cause a lot of destruction. Um, so, with that, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we are coaching chatter on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, find us on Twitter, um, Craig. Where we find you, Twitter uh, at D Craig Lad. Also, Soar Athletic Training. And then Kurt Page at Kurt Page six two nine. You can find me at Coach Burton thirty six at Believe in Dogs. Uh, you can also find me on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, where I join forces with uh, Matthew Perkins and Josh Cook. We talk all things college football nationwide, not just the not just the South. Uh, Israel Troop and I are uh, on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. We talk everything Georgia, but we also. We also go around the SEC a little bit as well. Uh, we, we don't we don't leave out the rest of the conference. We don't probably spend as much time on them um, as, as we would here in this setting, Craig. But we don't leave them out. We're we're, we're all inclusive there. So um, for that, uh, this is coaching chatter. This has been episode number four, and uh, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, for Craig Latt and Kurt Page, I am Corey Burton. So long. See you later. Have a great Thanksgiving. Please eat too much turkey. Take that good nap, watch some good football, and uh, have a restful weekend. And we'll see you back here next week on Coaching Chatter. Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.